that I had like this. I had a guy, he actually slept to get here. And he's a good friend, thank God. Because I would feel a lot worse if he wasn't a friend. Um, basically, I have a brand new mixer. It's a Mac, the good brand. Brand new, brand new. And as soon as I turned it on, it, was fr- it got fried. Oh, no. I think it was like a, a, a power surge. And when I bought my gear, they told me they suggest I should buy a surge protector, but for audio. So it's a big surge protector. I, I don't know if these little ones would have worked. I had these little, you know, the six and ones. You know, the uh, six and ones. It didn't do anything. It fried the machine. Of course, I, when I bought a new mixer, I bought a surge protector. But that was that. He showed up. We set up. We started. We did mic check and we turned on the camera. And then there's a noise. That was one. I had another one where so you must you lost. It was recording. done. No, we couldn't record. It was no. There was no. Uh, there was no mixer. Then we had another one where I had a conversation with Shmuley Bosovsky. He's a great guy. We schmoozed for two and a half hours. I never plugged in the mic. The mic to the camera. Oh no! So it didn't record audio. Only from the camera's mic, which is horrible. You can barely hear anything. We tried using AI to fix it. Adobe has now an AI thing for podcasters where it sounds like this, even if you record from far, but it's so far. It's meant to take a cell phone video, you know, mm-hmm. and make it like flat, but it's not meant to take horrible audio, audio that you can't. So that was weeks of trying to use AI and then sending it to a studio to try and edit the, the noise. I, I, I'm like, I'm not sure if it's any good. I, I have to listen to it and decide if it's listen worthy. It's like I tend to underestimate the task in my life again and again and again and again. It's my strength because I just do things, but it's definitely my weakness. <laughs> Biggest strength. Yeah, because I just jump into things. I underestimate the task. I don't think of timelines very well. I don't like... I could create processes clear mm-hmm. easily. Like I'll understand what needs to happen. But in each step of the process, how long it's supposed to take, I'm not very um, specific. Hiring like a project manager would help? If I would? Probably. If someone actually... And specifically, that's where experience somebody comes cheap. in. It could be somebody overseas. So I don't know if that would... Um, the, I think experience is a big part to understand that. Like, Because now I know what I need to do a lot better. Because as soon as we start, I'm looking if my microphone is plugged in. Right. Because I know, right? Anyway, let's talk about business. Let's go. Let's talk about well-being and business. Hey, man. Thank you. <laughs> Honored to be here. Um, same. Um, this is the first conversation I have on camera and probably off camera to really get curious and understand employment and employee office jobs. I don't think I ever had an office job. A little no. here and there on my own terms. I have office work for myself, but I've never been part of any corporate office. And generally, what I know about it is that people are unhappy mm. and they feel like they're going nowhere. The and people that you talk to are yeah, unhappy. Yeah. So the fir- besides what I know of you and from you that is inspiring, I think worth having a conversation is, you know, your own growth and stuff. It's just the fact that you're a corporate guy and you're... Disclaimer, think, I'm not a corporate guy. No. Okay, no. cancel, scratch that. <laughs> but you're like in the world, you're, you have an office I get where job? you're going with a you corporate, know? but there's corporate and then there's... Okay, so tell me. Enjoyable, so t- tell passion, me about filled work. There's corporate America where everybody's very, very professional. 
you're not yourself. You're always trying to climb the ladder of success. Everybody's like, which I understand. I mean, I never worked in corporate America, but I understand there's a lot of like competition like a bank over job there. And all that. Like banks, bankers. yeah, and the city and the, you know, you go all these big companies, um, whether it's in financial companies or whatever it is, you know, even like Amazon. It's a, it's a corporate, corporate. It's very, everybody has their numbers that they need to reach. Mm. And everybody is, um, there's no, so I mean, the goals are set very competitive yeah. and very comparing. Okay, if you're better than them, then you'll get mm-hmm. more. And if you're not, your better, promotions are based on numbers and everything numbers is and, uh, data. And I mean, again, there are certain people there that have passion and are enjoying their job, but a lot of the people are just working towards something not so enjoyable. Right. But then the country and the world runs on that, on, on those companies. Question is if it needs to. That's my, um, that's my, um, you know, in coaching, very often people want to get out of an unfulfilling position to something that's fulfilling. The question is always like, what I do in my life is always, how do I make this better? Mm-hmm. Before, like I once heard the three B's, um, better it, barter it, like get it done, but hire someone or an exchange or bag it. So bag it, for me, like to bag it, to, you know, leave is usually after I try bettering it. So my question is always, how do we better it? And with like corporate jobs, it seems like they're like people are just miserable. I don't think it's it's the corporate that's the miserable. I think it's the leaders that are making it miserable. What about to and talk if you want to dive it. right yeah, in? Let's go. Let's go. Want. This is my passion. <laughs> so tell me about it. Tell me what your thoughts are on jobs and careers and yeah. Um, just I was just thinking before on the way here. Like what, what is, what do I want to, what message do I want to give? Um, so I have a personal mission, which is that I exist to show up intentionally every day in the things that matter most so that I can be a steward for what's possible and a loving example to those around me. And a steward to, for what's possible is I want to show what's possible. And I believe like a lot of people that you talk to, They don't know what's possible. They don't have this vision for what's possible. And a lot of people in the Heimische community, especially going to business, they need to make money, right? We have um, the Goyesha world, a regular guy out there in the secular world to make a living. How much do you need to make to survive and thrive? It's like... I actually, I actually looked into numbers. So I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, I sure, told sure. you I do this. I tried yeah, to Yeah, let's off. go. I actually looked into it and the numbers weren't that far, which means um, I looked into cost of average cost of living in New Jersey, obviously not a Jewish search. I know like growing up, it's like the Yiddish of Leish and it costs so expensive, like kosher food and, and simchis and chasen machen kinder. And I'm looking, I, I researched the average kosher living in, in New Jersey, that, not kosher, I mean the average household, and I searched family of two. And it was, and that's four years ago before all this. And it was, I think, 120. Mm-hmm. And I think the numbers I hear in Heimish's circles are, are not, wasn't that much, you know. If you make 120, you're not going to make it. Right. You're just not going to yeah, make it. Yeah, I don't it. think you'll make drown. it now. No. What about four years ago with two kids? Probably also not. Huh. Maybe with two kids and you don't own a, you don't have a mortgage. Maybe. No, they they have with a mortgage. I guess that's. I don't know. I we are more a mortgage here out in, in Nebraska or well, here, here in New Jersey. I check. Wow. But okay, so this is what 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 leads me to this whole dead end job thing is like, who makes more? How many people make more than one twenty? And then okay, so 
there's definitely value in being an employee. Where I was going with this was that most business owners are, you know, the reason why I go into business is to make money, right? I yeah. need this. They build the asset to produce money, yeah. which that's what business is. It's yeah. it, it's an asset, right? It's like a like an apartment, right? Real estate. Everyone's going into real yeah. estate. A business, businesses could do better than real estate. It's an asset. It's yeah. the same asset like an apartment, like a building, like a property. If you run it well, it's going to produce you a profit. Um, It'll have a return. Warren Buffett invests more in businesses than in real estate because businesses uh, can do better than real estate. Real estate does have a cap. Yeah. Businesses, if you know how to operate it well, they will produce you a nice profit. Now, so that's why people go into business, but they don't realize what it takes to run a healthy business to produce what you want to produce. And then they bring in people to do the job, to produce it, to make the machine work, right? The business is a machine, if you look at it, right? Yeah. Um, and then you take those people and you treat them like machines, it's not going to work. You want people that are engaged, passionate, and right. come to work right. happy. If, if they want to get the best out of people, then treating them like a machine is limiting. Not going to work. Limiting. Not going to work. That's the, think- That's the most, the big, the common relationship between employers and employees is like, like the employer has this vision and he's laser focused and generally they have evidence to support in their own head that that works because look where it's got me and then they want everyone to follow that yeah so if they work around the clock they want everyone to work around it the doesn't clock. work doesn't work think of, think of it as a machine we started talking as a machine a machine has downtime mm. and needs to have downtime and every factory they know there's this machine that's going to produce a thousand let's say water bottles after the thousand water bottles a day for example after a certain amount of water bottles they're going to have to put the machine to sleep and maintain it and there's regular maintenance if you take a machine if the owner says no i want to put out 2000 water bottles before we stop you're going to break the machine if you don't maintain it when it needs to be maintained it's going to break down so it's either intentional downtown or you know you're right. going to be forced downtown down downtown downtime <laughs> so the same thing a person a person is like a machine you're, you're producing your people are producing but if you don't give them that right. downtime on the minimum on the minimum of a person's the worst part of him of of them of, of me is a machine like and then there's creativity and passion yeah. and all yeah. that good stuff so even even machine minded it's like without downtime it doesn't work no that mechanic those people that need to maintain it those maintenance guys come and they have a rhythm of when they maintain it you need to maintain your body you, an employer needs to help their employees maintain their their body through downtime do you think an employer can give that to their workers if they don't do practice it themselves like if they're around the clock people lead by example do you think that's possible even because some people choose to work or i know some people they choose to literally work 20 hours a day because they want to avoid their life and that's how it works for everyone their wives are somehow used to it and their relationships are set that way i think it's they don't have a vision for anything better right is it possible to give that that you find employ employers that can give that type of balance to their employees even though they're not living by example or that's not usually realistic? they're not living by example because they don't believe it's possible mm. and if i could give that um here today that would be amazing yeah, it is possible a, that's a beautiful and way to ex- to explain vision it like, is possible yeah i, I told you on the phone the possibility like, it, your, your effort your your effort never exceeds your belief right like it can't 
can't. It can't if go you more just than... if you believe that you could only get to three feet from there, your your body's not going to move four feet. Mm. It's not. If you believe you could go four feet, you'll go four feet. I've been struggling with 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 a, with a thought in the gym lately. Um, okay, so I my trainer was very good at believing me that I can't only I can only go till here. So he brought me till like here. Mm. And lately he started bringing me to here. So I'm really having a hard time with this stretch. And my workout is a combination of thinking of the workout and the end, you know, trying to focus on how good it is and struggling through the pain and be like, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, cause I'm, I, I literally, I'm th- either throwing up or about to throw up yeah. and I'm, I'm hating it. And this makes a lot of sense. That's where coaches come in. They help you with that. They'll push you. They'll give you that belief that you could yeah. and alone you won't be able to do it. Yeah. But back to the employ- employers, if they don't believe that they could do it, that they could take off, that they could leave at six o'clock and let go, they were not going to give it to the employees. Yeah. Most of the time. I think some people actually believe that their their pain is so unique. You know, that, that, that story, like my pain is so unique that it's me, but maybe that, that's hope for employers. They don't want to give it to themselves or they can give it to employees. But the truth is, if, if they believe that it's a better work environment, then it's probably better for them too, and they can deal with whatever's holding back. Um, so it's a, it's a rare, you find that your position is rare? Like, first of all, can you talk a little about what you do? So I work for a company called Yossi G. Mm. We do interior design for luxury homes all over New York and even more than that. We do projects. We have projects in Toronto and Florida wow. and Mexico and uh, all wow. over. And wherever. he does the architecture too and or we, only design? No, we usually, we do architectural work, but not the architectural work as in codes and uh, uh-huh. and that area that we usually get from a licensed architect and we take that and... So where, we, what what goes first, the design or the architect? Depends. On a home, on a on a, a custom home, Some most of the times the designer would go first and we'll make the layout will design the does it ever not work with the with the with the code like the let's so we'll we'll work uh we'll collaborate with the architect and do you work with your architect is that a thing no usually is it common to work with the architect for design what do you mean is it a common like yeah you have to work together you need to work Uh together because interior designers are not are not licensed in codes and so that we're not going to get approval by the building department and we're not going to get so the permits. So you'll put out a concept and then they'll say, well, this doesn't work. This the concept work. is usually not not the thing that needs approval. It's usually the space planning that needs approval. Oh, and so once so we'll has, make a space planning. We'll send it to, we'll send it to the architect. And they'll the architect say will what approve works it. and what They'll doesn't. change the stuff. Um, by now, we know a lot of codes. So, so it'll, it'll come, come out yeah, right much, or closer yeah. to right. And right. you have your own relationships with architect or the client brings... Usually puts, the client brings the architect. So what happens if the architect that the client puts you in touch with is unreachable is that a common issue it's common but the way we work and the way our our part operates with such tight deadlines and laser focus and efficiency that we bring to the project usually the client is going to push the architect because they know that you know if the architect is going to take their time their due dates by us are going to move and they don't want that we want to stay on date Mm. um and if your project goes to sleep another project is going to come in your place also right Mm-hmm. So and that was always the case. That wasn't always the case. So no. it used to be more chasing. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Before, let's say, four two years ago, we used to be more. It was just whoever was up, we woke up together with them. Wow. Um. And whatever, whatever, we just 
had on hand. That's what we worked with. Mm. Now we're extremely, extremely scheduled. We know exactly when a project comes in, when it's going to end. Every deliverable, wow. when we're going to deliver it, and we usually deliver beforehand. And you guys order the the items too for what you design. You do shopping and Yes, we can do that. And yeah. then you do actual setup. You'll set up the we'll house. We'll do that and too. That. It's part of the service. You choose how what's the scope that you want wow. to take us, but we'll we'll do everything for you. And you oversee the the construction. So we oversee it in the sense of designers. So we have there's a contractor building it, but we'll we'll be there from the client side holding them accountable to you know design to building it according to the design that the client wanted so we'll show up once a week once once every two weeks to make sure any issues are resolved and it's not the framer decided to you know make here a you know a shaft here mm-hmm. and kill our design and then later also in like moldings yeah, and paint exactly paint so how, so you end up aren't don't you end up being literally a construction manager in a sense yeah yeah construction administration that's what we call it that's like a phase in our project yeah Because creating a design is one thing, but then it looking the way the exactly. vision was, and six, and leading up to the, to that to that you know nice rendered image yeah. that looks so perfect for the fundraiser, but then yep. to actually have it look that way, it surprises me when I see a completed build that actually looks nicer than yeah. the than the 3D thing. And in luxury homes, people really don't care as much for that rendering. Um, as much mm. as other type of projects, they really want you on site, making sure that their house is designed. Because they built know right. what it takes to get something. Yeah. like the clients know what. Yeah. And is this a luxury industry only? Or is what it, we do? Yeah. For homes, yeah, yeah. We 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 don't design. Just somebody has an apartment needs a renovation. Right. Um, it's going to be the high end. Um, somebody that had a two million dollar construction budget and up. Um. Two yeah. million on on interior design. No, not our fee. Not Just, yours, uh, but the what merchandise yeah, paid. Into, after there's the after the walls, like after. No, even together, we'll take a project that's two million dollars, full everything. Uh-huh. Um, that's and not up. too bad for New that's, York. Yeah, yeah, that's that's our low end. Um, uh-huh. So the wow. yeah, but then going up, uh, yeah, ten thousand wow. square foot homes and wow. and up. Did you plan on this industry? Like, how'd you get this job? How did I get this yeah, job? Yeah, you knew you want to have anything to do with interior design. Yeah, so I worked for two years in a HVAC company. I did the manage the drafting department on high rise buildings in the city, hmm. um, coordinating where the HVAC is going to go. And I just loved the architecture. Every time the architect used to send in their plans for us to overlay the HVAC to see where ceilings need to be dropped and designs need to be changed. I used to just geek over those plans. I'm like, oh my like gosh, I wish I could like do that. this. Yeah, or <laughs> and on the computer as well. It's a movie scene. Yeah, it's and I just loved it. And hard hat. I in the in the office, I would just on the computer look at every single room, how they shaped it, how they wow. used every place. I'm like, this is the industry that I want. Uh, creative, and I I love building. I love creating. On my free time, I'm always building. These days, I don't have so much time. I wish I What could get build? back into that. But you were about my parents' house. You saw the swing and the cheers and the sheds and all that. that. I didn't remember that was you. That was me. That was wow. me always when I was a teenager. Was no. Wow. Always building and always did creating. Your brother built too? He also did, yeah. Huh. We're all creatives, creating stuff. Wow. So from there... I was looking for how can I get into this industry. So I took some course online. Oh, really? Um, interior design. I saw architecture is not, it was the architecture in our community and what everyone was doing was more codes 
um, very technical and I didn't like that. So how saw, long ago was that? This was three years ago. Wow. A little wow. more than three years ago. Yeah. I would think it's a decade. Yeah. Went pretty quick during COVID. Right, oh. A little bit after COVID. Yeah. And what, why'd you leave the previous position? I just didn't want to be busy with uh, duck work the entire day. Uh-huh. And you quit before you had something else? No. So if, uh, while I was on the job, every night I used to sit on the computer and do like read architectural stuff wow. and take interior design courses and whatever I could find online. And I just started reaching out to interior designers in the community. You have a job for me, really? literally. Messaging them on LinkedIn, on text, email. Were you on LinkedIn them. before this job? Are you active on LinkedIn? Because now you are, right? Actually, right a, a month and a half ago, I put a pause on that. Really? Um, we could get into that, a different conversation. Um, but I was very active for almost a half a year. Uh-huh. But back then, that wasn't your No, mind. I was just, you know, lurking on there uh-huh. and uh, checking out people and stuff. And so you following. reached out to people and, like, and can got I, on the phone. Any specific position you wanted? No, or anything just to get, get me in the, the door. door. Get me really? in the door. And you uh, had a pay that you wanted to not be less than or no. any, for any price? Um, I had expenses then. I had already two kids then. And I, I had, you know, a salary that I need. But I knew that if I want to get in somewhere, I'm going to have to take a pay cut. That's something interesting about passion. That passion first always, which yeah. is the concept of the starving artist. It's like it's yeah. Like, so I got on a call with a few people, and some were promising more, less. Um, yeah, maybe in two months, maybe in a month, maybe after. You simply called without yeah. knowing the people. You no, just called asking just called for a them. job. Yeah, and then I reached out to one guy and I spoke to him, and he's like, "Sound good. Uh, I want to interview you." So I met him. You had a resume. I had a resume. I made this fancy resume. That looked like it's look appropriate good. for... Uh, yeah. And I even got like a cover letter from my previous um, um, boss. So nice. that was very nice of him for doing that. And what, I didn't leave as in like a fight or anything. Mm-hmm. I just, this is not for me. I want something different. So he was okay with that. He understood that. Um, he offered me more money. I said, no money in the world. Am I going to continue doing duck work? This is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I sent to this guy and we had an interview and we met for an hour and a half. We were talking about everything and anything. And then he had me meet his consultant. And from there, it was just, I started and I got into the office. First day, he put me by a computer. And then he met me. He's like, I don't know why I hired you. I don't know for what position, but I want you here. And, and he you, just, when you had that interview, what were you, can you re- recall that conversation? The hour yeah, and a half? Um the everything and everything you spoke yeah, about. Yeah, we were talking about stuff that I did, what he does, what his vision is, showed me some designs, asked me some questions. It was just like a very casual, enjoyable conversation. And I remember the secretary afterwards told me that she was looking like we have glass walls. And she's like, I saw that conversation. It was just so passionate, like two people in the room. It's like, this is working out. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It's interesting that people spend at work a big part of their life. Yeah. You know, it's like to to not give it the credit that it needs. If I want to be a person that lives with passion and my values, the work environment will affect that. Like if I want to live in a certain way and I spend eight or 10 hours a day not living the way I want to live, it'll be a problem for me. It's slavery. It's not living. Huh. Yeah. So I'm. So that's how I got into it. Yeah. I'm feeling this, um, you know, what you're describing is a dream for so many people and for me in some places in my life. And it's not reality for so many people. 
it's not reality because for so many people because you don't have that vision because you don't think it's possible hmm. and so, every day i see that with stuff in our business also until i saw that being possible in a different company or i hearing that from a mentor or reading that in a book or listening to that on a podcast i would never pursue it because i didn't know that such a thing exists i always thought that what i believe is what exists until i heard a different belief and then i said oh we're going to go after that because that's what i really want so i thought that to rephrase what you're saying is that you thought that when you believe something that's what you pursue no until you believe something you're not going to pursue it right, so if you so, don't know you're saying it's a dream right so yeah. for you it's a dream now until you're going to believe that this is possible right, you're not so, going to pursue so there, it i'm making as so what i'm noticing is there's a distinction here what i'm noticing <laughs> is that there is having a dream and pursuing it mm-hmm. and then having a dream and knowing it's possible and pursuing it which is a big difference i don't think it's possible just to have a dream right a lot of people dream of ideal jobs of a pay raise of um no. being uh, you know business owners opening up something living well and um, um, you know connected to themselves not suffering from the traumas believing that i wanted is not believing that it can happen it's a huge mm-hmm. difference that's very 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 is belief i don't think that, i ever heard this yeah because I, I do a lot of work around vision right in coaching i do a lot of work around vision and i know what it's like to not believe in a vision i never noticed there's such a close and distinct difference between having a vision believing that i have the vision but not believing in the vision believing that you have the vision doesn't take a lot to believe you have the vision right? you have the vision it's just so believing that it's possible yeah. wow. and then after the belief take an action because you're never this is a line that i heard one of the influencers that stuck on me you're never going to drift to your desire the destination again you're never going to drift to your desired yeah. destination growing up um chassidish and then following a system i know the feeling of not knowing how did i get to where i am it's like just drifting it's like oh this leads to this and this leads to this and now we're going to buy this and now we're going to sell that and it's a very um but if you have a vision where you want to go you're never going to get there by just drifting no. you'll get somewhere by drifting yeah. for sure a lot of people drift through life But if you have a desired destination, right? That's that vision. You're never going to get there through drifting. You have to know exactly where you want to get. You need a plan and you work the plan every single day. Yeah. The one first part is what if. And the second thing you're introducing, which is super cool to me, is actually spending the time and finding the evidence that it's possible. Mm-hmm. Every step of the way, knowing that it's possible. Um, not only that it's possible, having... Yeah, having that vision that it's possible. And a lot of times it's, you know, borrowing that belief from other people. What, that means seeing that it works for others? Yeah. Or other people telling you that it's possible. A lot of times throughout your journey, you're going to need to borrow the belief. You're not going to believe, but you're going to have to borrow the belief from somebody else. Yeah. Seeing somebody else that did it, for example, um, having somebody tell you you could do it. Yeah. Right? You still don't believe in yourself, yeah. but you're doing it because that person believes in you. Yeah. But you need that belief. Yeah. And then you become very clear on where you're going. Can you take action? With employment, what I find is the challenge that you need a boss to agree with it, to share the belief or share yeah. the vision. And so often bosses say sky's the limit for employees, but not based on the employee, but based on themselves. Right? They have a vision as an employer. They have a good buy-in. And there isn't really a clear understanding of how... this person working for them actually gets to where they want to get. 
you know, like yeah. it ends up being a, a lot of conflict. Yeah. You know? Clarity, clarity. Do you think that there is a, a way through it? Like for, like I, I'm thinking of a friend, he works for a company. The owner is very ambitious. He's definitely, a, he pushes and, you know, he really gets things going. And the, this guy working for him is also very ambitious. Mm. They spend hours arguing over operation. Mm. Like, and it's, it's dysfunctional. For example, this guy wants a work-life balance. The boss doesn't. The boss understands it. He almost agrees to it, but he doesn't practice it. Right. So this is one little also like, and obviously this, this happened like this, this guy working for him, the employee has a pretty important position. He handles a lot of, and there is no, like, like the vibe is awful. Mm. And that, that happens That's so hard. often. The vibe is awful. And then after three months, like specifically people that check in with themselves and they check how they feel. They don't just robotically go through and it's like, okay, what, what should they do? Put down the boundary, tell the boss that this doesn't work for me, line up another job before they talk to their bosses. Um, you know, it's like, I have a dream of being an employee, even that I want to be the business owner, which I, I think is, is, is there's value in that. There is. Yeah. Less risk. Yeah, less, more security. stability, if security. Need, if you need security. And there'll always be a cap on how much they can make, right? That's the price to pay. Yeah, there's a cap. yeah. The less, the less risk you put in, like an investment, the more right. risk, the more return. The business owner is putting in a lot of risk, right? If the business, if the business goes down, who, who puts in the money right. to cover the loss? Not right. the employee. Right. Employer. So Okay, so they cap how much they can possibly make you know, yeah. making this job. Unless you get really high and the business has a lot of potential and you could probably get like some profit sharing. But again, right. Every business has its cap. Right. And then they want the work life balance. They want to be, they don't want to be like, like a never ending 24 right. seven kind of work. So what's the next step? Okay. So they have the vision of work life balance. They have the vision of making whatever they realistically based on the market, based on their expertise, Right. So now what? Communication. With, the, with their bosses. With their boss and setting so, expectations. And if it doesn't work, being willing to walk. Yeah. Is that the key in all this? To be willing to go to something else? I don't think it has to get there. I think just, just so much communication that's missing in the workplace. It's not easy. I mean, I'm talking about something that's not easy to communicate. Most people have a hard time and it's a skill that you need to learn. We're not, we're not born communicators. Right. Mm. No one... No one in the hospital, they say, oh, it's a boy, it's a girl. They don't say, oh, it's a communicator, right? <laughs> it takes, it takes a lot of effort yeah. to learn communication and open and be able to give feedback. Um, if you're working with a boss, you need a solid relationship. How, how does one get to that? First of all, it has to be two-sided. Like in every relationship, if it's only a one-sided relationship, it's not going to work. It's, mm. it's like anything in marriage with your children, anything. Uh, friends i'm thinking back of my being employed days but i'm thinking also of people that i know and stories that i hear a lot as soon as the, it's almost like i feel this conversation is for employee for employers it's for them to know it's both like a yeah. lot a lot of it has to do with it's like because the employee wants to have specifically people that check in and they have coaches and they work on themselves they want to have that conversation and what happens so much is they get the list of what they're doing wrong and that's mm. the end of it. That's the dead end. Well, you'll improve yourself. And that's that. Yeah. The bar is this high. And they're like here. As soon as they go into the meeting, they're like, as long as they accept $70,000 a year, I mean, mm. no numbers, then they're the best. 
but as soon as they want 90, then they become the, the worthless. Why? Because they can just go the next guy. And, and there are the people I know, my circles are people that are empathetic and caring. That's their personality. Yeah. They really want success in the workplace. They care for their own value and identity. And to the, to the, as soon as they want more money, their value is like, that's not a value. Mm. What's the value in that? Like you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And you, I don't I think another. the conversation needs to be about money. I think money is the last thing. So like I started before, there needs to be a two-sided. Um, and now that two-sided, you said this has to, is a conversation with the bosses. I think an uh, employee can initiate that. You know, I don't know what position in the company, this person that you're talking about or you're focusing on. I'm focusing of, of everything so, I heard. There's so much, like I hear so much of it because it's such a big part of coaching and i don't know the solution other than following at once truth look here right I'm, I'm going off for a second but when i look at someone and i don't know and i don't know i don't have the proof for the vision because i don't have the experience mm-hmm. in that field i do know that open heart and truth always wins so that's my vision for the person but i also feel their fear of it just not working because i so often hear how they go into a conversation to just get a list of things that they're doing wrong that's the end of it. And then you're replaceable. That's the, the line in business. You're replaceable. Employees have coaching to know that they're not needy to their workers so they can free spirited build their business. But then where does it leave the like, it's like, it's like, how is this supposed to work? Yeah. So it does, it does take working for a normal person, a person that puts humans first. Mm. Right. Think of, think of the word HR, right? Every company has an HR. What is mm-hmm. HR? What does it stand for? Human resources. What is human resources? Being are resourceful you, for humans. Are humans a resource? Being, re, being a resource for the employees. That's what yeah, it's but, meant to be. Right. But what does those two words mean? It, uh, it means that uh, these pl- me. uh, people are, this department are for the human resource. Yeah. So that's already wrong. Humans are not a resource. Mm-hmm. Humans are the thing in business. And if you treat them like a resource, like a machine, you're going to, you're already failing. Humans are not a resource. We change that in our company. I mean, we have an HR department, just, we call it HR, but that's more like just the person that talks to the lawyer when we need to. Mm. In very few, How many people work for your company? 30. Wow. We including call it, you? Including me. We call it employee experience, not HR. But is it a game of words or is it really too? Words too, do make a difference. Uh, is it a game of words only because the words make a difference or is it actually a value system that you guys live yeah, by? Sure. We want to make sure the employees have experience. I'm pretty sure yeah. if you're hiring, you're going to get a lot of applicants. We are hiring actually. <laughs> We're only hiring uh, designers, any experienced uh-huh. designers. And it takes a lot to come in. We have between four and six interviews. Wow. Yeah. So it's all, it's the expertise and the personality. A lot more personality than expertise. We want to make sure it's a culture fit, a value fit before skills. We had somebody the other day, she was a top designer coming from the top. It just wasn't a culture fit. There was one little thing that made a big difference. Wow. And so often that's not even a thing. Like yeah, people have you a hire from system. a phone call. Mm. How do you hire from a phone call? Of course, you're going to have issues later. But that's a whole different conversation, how to hire. Yeah, I mean, it obviously ties in. What you're describing is actually valuing people for people and their values. What our business is here for, we touched on it before. Our our business is here to provide to society, to provide to humanity, to provide to culture, or the other way around. It's culture and society and humanity are here to provide to the business to crank out a profit. 
Yeah. If the people are here to crank out a profit for the business owner, you're going to treat humans like cogs in a machine. Mm. And when this cog is a square cog and you're trying to push it into a round hole, doesn't work. You're going to try pushing it harder and harder. And if it doesn't work, you're just going to throw it out the window. Right. Right. But it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work. That's a line for the institutions of education yeah. for the whole, yeah. you know, pushing people into a, yeah. a, a place where they don't fit. And that that's the trick. That's a really trick of leaders. I know you're passionate about leadership. I mean, that's what leadership is all about. Um, taking people from here to there. And that if you want the biggest return in business, it's not by focusing on short term. And that's where most business owners fail. They look at today, how much, what was my bottom line today? Mm-hmm. Where's my cash at today? And not at the long run. Of course, you have to look at ca- your cash flow and you have to look at your profit today. Yeah. But there's also the human part. Uh, yeah, it's, and it's, it's just not a, a, no. a, a small line. It's the, their, their look should be something like yeah. this. If, as long as they're not below yeah. this, yeah. then they're good. You have to, it, humans are the point. If you, if, you, if you get passionate, engaging employees, you're going to get, the output is going to be much more than just cranking them and trying to get the most out of them through, you know, abuse, it's just not going to work. But again, it goes back to that vision. Most people don't have the vision that it's possible to be nice to your employees, to treat them like humans. People are and convinced get out. that if they do that, they'll be taken for a ride. Mm-hmm. People in leadership roles are under the assumption, of, I mean, business leadership roles, they're under the assumption that all people want is a dollar and they're just going to be you know, lie to and, 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 and screwed when, over. And when I hear that, it makes me cry. It's so sad. It is really sad because most people I engage are really caring. So let me give an example. I'm having somebody leave our company for the next two months. She's going on maternity leave. What she did the past four months for the business was not, she didn't make a dollar off of it. And it was just for the business and no one told her to do it. Four months ago in February, end of February, she came over to me and said that I'm, I'm going to be leaving in four months on maternity leave. I don't want the business to fail. She does five roles in the company. Uh, they're not full-time roles. So she acts in five different roles. And she said, I want to plan for it right. So the company doesn't feel me being out for two months. And I said, go for it. I want you to be able to disconnect for two months. You're having a baby. I want you to be able to disconnect and not have to look at your phone at once. Not you have to go on the computer for two months. What she did was for the next four months, every night, she had like a half an hour or hour, I don't know exactly. And she literally documented every single thing she does for the company, videoed on the screen, everything she does. Wow. Friday, um, actually Thursday, she left. Um, She's working from home now until she gives birth. She has a document, every single thing that she does, who is going to be taking it over in the company. Wow. Every project that's open. Where is it up to? Where is it at? And what are the next steps that need to happen? And every single person that needs to take over in that part, who is taking over? It's on a paper on a desk. I got that paper. So it doesn't just happen. And there's videos and documented wording what to do for everything. Nobody told her to do it. Why does she want to do it? You know what a loss it would be for me? as her leader, if she would just leave on Monday, not doing that, I didn't tell her to do that. I just told her one thing. I, t- I told her, I want you to be able to disconnect for two months. I want it for you. I so want you weren't you. thinking of what's going to happen no, if you don't not, have the no, systems was in not place. Thinking for a second. You were thinking that it's a great idea so she can disconnect. Yeah. For her benefit, she's a human being. That's very touching. I want her to be able to disconnect. Specifically thinking of postpartum and yeah. mother's organization. Yeah. 
That's very, very. I want you to be able to disconnect. What do we need to do? So first of all, we created the vision, right? The vision of disconnecting for two months, disconnecting people like two weeks ago, we had like a team huddle and people were like, should we update you? And I was like, do no one's updating her anything. She's disconnecting for two months. She wants, she could come and visit if she wants. Highly advise not to. I want you to total disconnect. I don't want any stresses about the work. And she has a lot of stress from her work. I mean, not stress, but it could. Responsibility. Yeah, it's a lot of responsibilities. No, not stress at all. Thank God. But that was the vision. You used to be able to disconnect. And how are we going to make that happen? So we had that vision. And now we're going to make the plan. And she worked the plan every single day in four months. And now she's going and disconnecting. And she's not making a dollar for it, but she did it. Why? Because she cares for the company. Why does she care for the company? Because the company cares for her. Because the company cares for her. Thinking about it now, it's the biggest success for the business now that she did it. Because nothing's going to fall. No balls are going to be dropped because everything is going to just be smoothly. Again, everybody that's taking over has their job. So they're at capacity, but whatever needs to happen is going to happen. So a lot, a lot of this is, is. What I find is that to clean, like I call it clean up, like to clean up my act, to clean up my spreadsheets, to clean up my numbers, to clean up the data that's just tons of mistakes. It takes a lot of time and often money for a bigger operation. It can really be costly to transition from a place of everything is extinction. You know, um, what is it like fire extinguishing all day long, all day long that to a place where, where it's, where things are known and predictable and, you know, there is like a good amount of certainty in how things work. Yeah. And it's that's like a, the, that's the transition is, is, is the transition is, it could be costly. Very, it could be a very it's difficult. Worth it. It's worth it. Mm. It's worth it. Cause that, that's probably the only way to create a work life balance. Cause there's no extinguishing all day. Yeah. It's probably the only way for a business to have that. You need to be able to leave six o'clock and nothing. There's no fires burning. Be able to go on vacation for a week and not. I went on, I was, went to Florida for Five days. I did not turn on my phone. I'm second wow. in command in the business. Wow. What's your position? COO. Wow. So I run the entire operations. Wow. Everything's under me. I just filter through between the CEO and the business. And do you deal with clients regularly? Or I don't the need to deal with clients. Deal with clients? I, most clients you. don't even know I exist. Really? Who, Whenever who? I do need to talk to the clients, like, what's your name? Samcha? When did, are you new there? No, I'm actually here for two and a half years. Wow. We never heard from you. Thank God. That means I have good people. And you know, every project, that, that I know the company every has. project. I know, I don't know what's going on in every project. I don't want to know what's going on. I trust the people that are there. I give them so much trust and there's a way I do it. How I give them that trust. How's that? It's because I relentlessly communicate the results that I want. And, and what happens when it doesn't happen? Like you're noticing that they're not, they're looking at you like, what do you want from me? That means I'm not, wasn't clear in the result. Yeah. But maybe they're just not capable to do it or to understand it or to do it the way you want. I don't don't tell them how I want it to done. I didn't say how I said Mm. what the result is what, not how that's where that's another Mm. place. You should only, if you're a business owner or a leader, the only thing you should care about is what, not how, Mm. why should you care about how, what do you care about how I get it done? You should care about what I get done. Mm. And if the what is clear enough, give them the freedom. People are capable. Yeah. Unless they're machines. Again, unless you didn't hire the right people that are not capable. They need to have the capacity to do it. Which means someone needs to do duck work and they're sitting in a, in a design studio. Yeah. <laughs> some exactly. people are very meant for, like yeah, some people are really good with placing things yeah. and fastening them. But that's where hiring goes. You know, if you hire the right people for that position, 
then you should be able to give them the results and they should be able to run with it and literally have a party every single day because they have the freedom to do how do it however they want. Again, every result that I delegate, I show them how also how I figured yeah. it out, yeah, but, but I tell them, them you don't have to. I'm just as a leader, I want to give you that gift of telling you my experience, how I got to this result, but I'm, but I'm giving you the full freedom to cut, better to it. rip that paper apart or rip that process apart. And if you get to that result, I really don't care how. Mm-hmm. And that this creates is so passion. difficult for business owners because they think that if it's not done the way they have, they did it, it's going to fail. Yep. And they even find evidence because there's always failure in businesses. And they're convinced that the reason why there's failure because it wasn't done this specific it way. How. It's in the how. And what do you think is that? What if that happens? Like, what if that happens? You know, this guy wants. Oh, so you were talking. I want to rewind a little. You were talking that the conversation of a raise is not about a raise. It's about what is it about? If it's not about money. So first of all, it has to start with a relationship. It has to start with Which a relationship between the two people. No, just a relationship, even as a friend, being able to be open with each other, being able to give each other feedback. Most, most leaders don't know how to give feedback to their employees. So it's harsh. It's not open, friendly, gracefully. Um, because they're afraid it'll cost them. I don't know what it like is. Like good feedback no, will it's cost just, them money. It's vulnerability. Uh-huh. To be able to say, hey, when you do that, when you make that face in the meeting, it gives, makes me feel that I really? said something stupid. That's that you guys communicate that yep. way? hundred percent. I have. That, and is, that is like. Monday, I'm going to be. Mind blowing. Monday, man. I'm going to be giving feedback to a, the, one of our top leaders that I'm afraid to create a report. This is the words that I'm going to be telling her. I'm afraid to create a report because I'm going to need a, I'm afraid that I'm going to need to work on eggshells because I know you don't like to be micromanaged. I'm just going to say, I'm afraid. I have fear. I'm not going to say that that's what she's going to do. And I, and I'm going to tell her, I just need you to give me the confidence that you're not going to feel that way. And I am able to. That is a very healthy, like I expect that in my home. I don't expect that even thing. in work. It's the same thing. I expect it in my coaching practice. That's why I love what I do. But in my business life, I don't expect that because it's like, it's a, it takes a lot of emotional well-being to live like that. Yeah. Also to know when am I just expecting from the other and when am I, and you yeah. know, at home, I really have to spend a lot of time managing my expectations, knowing what's on me and what's on my partner, what's on my wife, what's on my kids. And very often I have these type of expectations of them. And then I notice, well, this one is on me and this one is yep. on me. And really they didn't do anything. It's my story. It needs to be healthy. It's if you don't, if not how much time do you spend on, on the well-being of, of, of work and, and how much do you spend on actual work? No, we're working every hour is work. Yeah. We had a meeting. We had to have one-on-one meetings with all the people that report to me once a week. At the end of the meeting, a lot of times I'll ask, can you give me feedback as a leader? How can I improve? How could I be better? You get criticized? It's not criticism. You get criticized? Of course. Because I I was open to it. I asked them. And most people are afraid in the beginning. And I give them that place that they could tell me as a leader what they feel like. Yeah, last week. I mean, a few times. Yeah. Um, I don't like this that you do. Um, I feel this. And do you, what do you and do? They you see, I act up. First of all, I thank them for it. I, I like thank them. They see how like, I love it. It's like, I tell people when you give me feedback, it's like you're giving me a hug. That's so powerful. And when you tell that to your people that directly report to you, which usually they come with so much fear about the, you know, to their leader, you tell them that it gives them that space. And I actually had an employee. Um, she's a secretary. So I, that she reports to me 
And we had this um, yearly one-on-one meeting that we just, you know, yearly review, nothing about compensation, just creating vision for her in her job and her position, um, you know, casting a vision for the company, hearing her feedback about the work. And then I had a whole 20 minute conversation. I asked her at least 10 questions that I provided her before about feedback about me from the past year. Mm. And I heard feedback from a different employee saying that that employee told her from that, those sheets that I gave her to prepare while she was preparing it hit her like, Simcha really wants to hear from me. This place really wants to hear and I'm going to talk. And she spoke and I acted on it. And that's from then she became a different person. The passion, the results that she is, she's literally becoming a leader. Like a sec- if you come in, you wouldn't think she's a secretary. Right. She, she's doing stuff since that time that she never did. The, how open she is, how comfortable she is to come into a meeting and stop the meeting, even though it's three leaders sitting and saying, well, a client is coming in. We have to stop the meeting. Why? Like she usually like a secretary would be terrified to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I gave her that space or to be able to speak up and say when something's bothering her. Um, and what happens if she wouldn't have that space? She wouldn't be performing, but forget the performance. She wouldn't be feeling good. I mean, right. but if you want to talk about the bottom line, she's not producing how much she could really be producing. Right. Because that's the difference between humans and machines. Yeah. That when they are open and feeling safe, yeah. people are very creative. Yeah. So how much time we spend, we don't spend a lot of time and it's li- the little things that make the right. difference. With time, it becomes just here and there yeah. and everyone is, is yeah. open. I can recall where my head went to while you just shared that is a annual conversation with an employee I had. Um, and the conversation went awfully bad into, from my heart. Like I remember closing up after. So he wanted a raise for the for the, for the next year. And I finally had my opportunity to share all the things I'm, I'm, I'm not happy with. Once a year you realize. No, I realize it all year. I'm just, no, I'm I saying, just don't want to go down on when, them. When do you say it? Yeah. Once a year. So throughout the year, I throw a little, but I don't want to spend mm-hmm. my days in criticism. And the truth is that all that happened is he's not a fit for what I was looking for. Cause if I want a guy to be, nine o'clock every day on there. I remember this conversation with that specific person, which was years ago. And I'm like, I want my biggest complaint was times times and his coming on time. Yeah. yeah, Being there on time and like sort of starting at a specific time. And his answer to that was, well, you want me always. So you can't want both. You can't want me to be there nine o'clock available and also be available all the time, which is, which is, Okay, I, I know. I like this is don't, years ago. Don't don't say the word nine o'clock. You're gonna turn me on. What do you mean? I'm against nine o'clock. So what happens when someone? So in this case, I, I agree to nine o'clock, but it's the, the way we perceive nine o'clock is I feel is wrong. Yeah. So what happens if someone is in direct contact with a client and they're not reachable at when the client wants to reach them? So the, it's not nine o'clock. It's reachable for the client. And as an intro level employee, they're not adding value. Then what you did was you started online learning. You increased your 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 what you can well, give to a work capacity yeah yeah and then okay maybe they might need to switch jobs another not an intro because yeah. now they know more and I, I i think that a lot of 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 growth starting like if we're talking to younger people like in you know intro positions it has a lot to do with spending the time to becoming better yeah. so You're i could get a next job yeah create the vision where you want to get to and make the plan and work the plan every single day. 
So a lot of it has to do with passion in your journey. Yeah. Like you actually followed what you like and you knew that that's going to be valuable. Yeah. And just keep on adding value wherever business, whatever company you're working at, just add value, find out what's valuable for this business and just add value. Try to make things better. Try to, try to eliminate your role. Challenge yourself to eliminate your role. So scary for people. They think yeah. that they're, they're going to be, you know, they're not going to be. What's going to happen? The whole AI thing triggers that in people. Yeah. It's like if I actually lean into AI, oh. Come to your boss and say, hey, I figured out, I studied for the past two weeks on how we could eliminate my role. If he's smart, he's going to keep you and say, okay, can you do it for another three roles? Wow. If he's stupid, call me. I want to hire you. Think out of the box. Just provide value. That's what, that's what bosses want. That's what leaders want. They want you to provide. I mean, the more value you bring, the more value we're going to pay you. It's, you know, you so if, if an employee finds themselves that they need to convince their bosses for their value too much, like other people, like if, if it's their coaches or their friends, like the feedback they're getting is that it's not, then there's a, then there's an unhealthy yeah. relationship going. Yeah. There's some expectation that's not being met. You know, if you're in a role that's just overhead. What does that mean? That your admin role, you're not creating what the company is selling. For example, in our business, if you're not a designer, right? It's just costing the business, right? You're not providing, you're not producing value. You're not a value producing role, right? A secretary is not a value producing role. Again, it's value, very valuable for the company. It's needed. The company needs it. But at the end of the day, we can't point, we can't point a dollar to your, to your, yeah, uh, to your it's role. It's, that's, it goes into overhead. Um, it's the people that are producing it. If you could figure out a way how to produce more for the company, you're going to, you'll make more money. Mm-hmm. The company's going to want to pay you. Right. Because if, if you're just taking on more and if you're keep on saying, well, I need to hire somebody under me. Well, that's, we're going to hire more overhead. Right. Right. Company doesn't want to do that. You used mentioned that before. Right. With right? a guy that wants to leave at six and his solution yeah. is to hire two more people, yeah. which could be the case. And if sometimes it, if, it's if needed. It's a, sometimes yeah. it's, and, so, and a lot of times the company can handle right. it. The company, yeah, some, I know some bosses don't like that, but if right. you have healthy finances, you know how much, how much you could pay for, for overhead, right. how much your overhead is. Which goes all overhead. back to, you know, the boss's healthy relationship yeah. with his own life. It's to yeah. really look at numbers, to really create the biggest vision for himself where things are, you know, where the, Seeing the big picture. Specifically around the return, like not just the rest of their relationships, but also the return to really like, I, I like, yeah, it's like really like, okay, how am I going to have six locations if I have now one, if I can't hire people to oversee the, the, if you couldn't figure out one, you're not going to figure out six. Right. If one was a mess, six are going to be a mess. Yeah. What's, what's really hurtful to me is when people actually would pay a lot of money to someone knowing that they want to, fire them as soon as their role is filled. Mm. Like, you know, I want to get to six, so I'm hiring this right hand. And as soon as I get to where I am, I'm just going to get rid of them. And then I'm going to, you know, 200,000 a year, 250. I know a guy that's on his third round of building up someone else's business. Mm. And he got his pay, his qualification is a start pay of 220 now. So it was like, it used to be like, I think his start pay used to be 160 or 180. Current his, what he's good at, and his field starts at 220. He's really good at what he does. He Two people are rich thanks to him. Like oh. wealthy. I don't know what the criteria for that is, but they're, they're, they're very, very Financial doing really, freedom. Yeah, they're doing really, really well. And they were in both times like, like fired as soon as they got to the, up mm. there. Because then everything was systemized and automated. Right. 
And I think that that limits an employee from doing their best because they want, they want to be needed. Right. And so right. there is that risk always, right? The bigger the risk, the more you'll, the more so this get. story of this guy to me is an inspiration that look, you can do it more. And again, yeah. and again, maybe that's cool. his position. That is maybe. a position, create such a position. Yeah. So now he can go from 220 start Market yourself 450 a year because yeah. I, I bring wealth yeah. to some. I'm into a business. I'm here for a year. I'm yeah. going to turn your business around and leave. You're not, you don't have to hire me. Just opposite. It's a great pitch. I'll come in here for a year, turn the business around and leave. And um, people do that. They, people their do position that. goes from, yeah. from whatever to consulting yeah. jobs or like really, really. Consultants can make the, right. no Because end. of that, because yeah. they give so much value and so little time yeah. and they're, the, and they're, they're going to be fired yeah. when the ones, their position is filled. Yeah. But do that. Why. Yeah. Do that intentionally. You're, you're endless. Like where you, where your possibilities. It's wild. It's wild what happens to relationships if we go a little bit away from the work environment. Yeah. I, I see where we're talking about good relationships uh, can like be a turn off to people that like, you know, to employ employers or business owners that their focus is the business to do well and not to provide a, you know, a, just to provide a, a, a healing environment for people's feeling it's for people yeah. to feel good. I can see where talking about the holistic view is sort of a turn off when we're talking yeah. numbers. I can see that. But it's not. I'm focused on numbers as much as anybody, probably even more because wow. of that. Because I don't have to focus on anything else. I know that my people are so passionate and they're so sold. They each own their responsibilities so strongly i know that any one of my employees will wake up at 12 o'clock at night and do whatever needs to be done they don't do it because they don't need to right but because that i could focus the rest on the day on the numbers on the important stuff right but if the entire day i'm scared of who knows what my employee is going to do behind my back who he's talking to who's reaching out to him that's also a thing like the, i don't i don't have I any stress from, i think in the from circles there's a lot of paranoia because yeah. everyone wants to open a business like so I, I people don't, are always stressed out that their employees are going to go and do this. Yeah. Are they going to leave? Who knows? Are they doing their job? And then it was micromanaging. I don't have that. Mm. I don't, I literally don't need to talk to my employee, the people that report to me. I talk to them once a week. Again, I say, hello, hi, how are you? If they need it, but like officially meeting you don't have I mean, to, once um, a week you don't and have we to. review the results that I gave them to do and I let go. Right. And the rest of the week I could chill. And do what I need to do for the business. Which is really the power of, of not being scared. It's like, I have a coach that would always ask me when I had decisions to make. It's like, when you want to do this, do you, are you doing this out of fear or out of love? Mm. I mean, at first when he said love, it was so cliche and like, oh, out of love. But, and, and also he uses the word open hearted. And all these words were like, it's bothering me because we're talking about real things. <laughs> and with time, I learned what it's like to do things it's just feeling okay. That's what right. we're talking about. To not be in fight or flight response all yep. the time. It's not some uh, guru thing yeah. or some, um, um, it's very practical. Am I doing this out of fear? Am I doing this out of love yeah. to the world and life? It's really, really simple. Am I more angry or am I more joyful? Yeah. That's really the question. And if, yeah. And, and if you do work for somebody that doesn't appreciate all this and doesn't value all this, there are people out there that do. And go find them. And again, there might be a, a period of time that you're going to have to work with somebody that it doesn't value right. this. Right. Which, but, and, and I learned to add value. Yeah. To add value. Yeah. And it's a very good in Mahalach. I really then, like it. And then go out there and find the place that does value you. Right. Because there is out there. But if you don't believe 
if you don't have the belief that it's possible, that there are businesses that do operate that way, you're not even going to put in the effort, right? right? Your effort never exceeds your belief, right? right. So you're never going to put in the effort to go look for that right. because you don't think it's possible. Right. All businesses are this way. All bosses are this way. Right. No, it's not true. I know many, yeah, many like bosses. Yeah, like all people are here to get you yeah, all those lines. True. It's not true. For the, uh, So many people I know are wonderful and they I actually could, care. I could list out so many business owners that really, really care. Yeah. And they care for the money. I don't want people to think that they don't care for the money and they're making money. They make a lot of money and they, they're and just they care patient for the about it. They're patient it's, and well, they everything's follow about patience. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen tomorrow. Do you think recruiters are like, who, who are recruiters really? It is a generalized who's question. Who's the customer? Yeah. Who's really the customer? The owner that's dysfunctional. They just need people and they need the recruiter to pitch it to the employee that they can't get more than $40,000 a year. If they want stability mm -hmm. or do they work for the people? Do they see them in their, in their light? I don't know. I, I don't work, do with, work recruit, with recruiters. Don't with recruiters no. How do you find people? We find word people. of mouth. The word of mouth, which helps a lot. If you have a good culture, that's where it goes. Also, we have a lot of people like referring, right? Like people are telling their friends about like, come work here. Mm -hmm. You're going to love it. Right. Why? How does that happen? If your employees hate their job, they're not going to tell other people come here. Right. You don't need to pay 20% to your yeah. to recruiters. I think recruiters are in a powerful position to help shift these a little bit bigger businesses that rely on yeah. recruiters. They have the power to tell them how it is and talk about important yeah. values. You know, maybe host. Recruiters could be very good. And recruiters could be very helpful for, for positions, like higher up positions. Yeah. Like I know someone that I refer to clients that he's really good. I think he actually cares about the people yeah. a lot. I also think he's in a tough position because so many bigger businesses that have a lot of opportunities for intro right. positions don't have vision for them. Right. So he needs to constantly um, Coach tell them. people, tell people how to lower their expectations. Right. And I think that what you're introducing is both. Take the intro position, add value, and go for another one. Yeah, or stay there. Yeah. If I you're mean, adding enough value, you should about be able it, to grow within. Where, yeah, I'm talking about an environment of like, I think that a lot of people show up to me when it's a dead end, like in coaching, they it's a dead end. So a lot of the dead end is because the environment is just not healthy. Oh. So then add value, move on, move on, move on. I'm talking to my sister. She's, and we're talking about like, she's pursuing a, a, a real corporate career um, and, and like, I don't know what it is. It's like not the web development. It's like cybersecurity. That's mm. her field. She's graduating, I think, in well. another year. So we're talking about how much of well-being and work has to do with really knowing when to leave. It's like, yeah, I'll attract the wrong stuff in my life. And I don't know how to balance. I, I don't think you have to leave all the time. It's not. No, for sure yeah. not. But and when it doesn't work, yeah. to have this fear that no one else will hire me is just not no, true. That's not true. And and I do think there's, yeah, if you have a, a boss or a leader that is a mensch, somebody you could talk to, even if they don't practice everything that we say, right. there is conversations that you could have, right. um, right. to, to change it. Um, Patrick Lencioni, he's a big um, writer and books for employee engagement and culture in the office. And, and he wrote a book that he talks about there, the three most important things for employee engagement. And if you're missing that people are going to be, it's like the three things that create a miserable job. It's called it. One is anonymity. Irrelevance and immeasurement. Anonymity is when the employee feels that he's just a number. I'm anonymous. No one cares about me. Nobody knows what, that I exist. So many people feel that way. And the opposite in the healthy businesses, people feel like they're a person. Right? I'll, I'll ask my employees, how are they doing? How's their life? Um, 
and discuss that. Sometimes if they need help there, I'll coach them in that area also. Um, so they're a person, they feel like they exist. So that's anonymity. Irrelevance is they feel that they're, whatever they're working doesn't, no one cares about it. Um, it doesn't make a difference. I don't make a difference. When I don't make a difference, I'm going to be miserable. Mm. And when I'm going to be miserable, you're That's not going to... That's irrelevance as they can be replaced or irrelevance on the work that the they work do? The work that I do. The work yeah. that I do does not... You, I, they don't see a straight line to something that matters. I'm <clears throat> making an impact. It could be serving the customer. It could be yeah. even serving the business. Yeah. But I want to see that I... Yeah. Or, yeah. That I make a difference. My work that I'm doing every day makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you could provide that, that's amazing. And in measurement, I can't measure if I'm successful or not. So those are the three signs of a miserable job. When those three are missing, you're going to be miserable. No matter what, if you make a million dollars or $2 million a year paycheck, if you're missing, if you feel you're anonymous in the business, if you feel that your work doesn't make a difference, irrelevant and a measurement, you can't measure constantly every at. day you matter. Yeah. That's anonymity and yes. And in measurement is that I can measure my success every single day. Right. I can only measure it when they talk about payment mm-hmm. Then it's going to be miserable, but the opposite, right? If that's going to create misery, those three stuff also create passion. It creates engagement. Mm-hmm. If you could provide for your employees that they do exist, just ask them, like you're talking to them. If you're having your one-on-one once a week or once a month, how are you? Just ask them, how are you? How are you really? Like, what's going on in your life? Yeah. Out of work. How's, how's life going? Beautiful. Just asking that question. It shows the person they exist. That's number one. Number, num- the, the second one is re- relevance, right? But if you can make, show the person that they make a difference, like just show them once a month at least, or if you could once a week or every, every work, day, where, where that work, work makes a difference. Either clients or the business. Show that, tell them, so, oh, I just spoke to a client. You don't know what you changed their life by just that phone call that you had. Or we, you, you created this, we sold this, it changed this person's life. Mm. And the smallest thing, where this, even, even though, I don't know, if even you're a janitor, you clean the floors, it makes people enjoy being here, whatever it is. So my work makes a difference. And in, in measurement, set expectations, be very, very clear on what you expect from them. And then so they're wins. Yes. So they know when they're winning. Beautiful. It doesn't have to be constant winning. It could be I'm working towards a win. Yeah, yeah. But but, small goals. Yeah. Breaking it down. But clarify what is that result that you're expecting from your employee so they could always measure if I'm reaching that. And if you're an employee, you could request that from your boss. Please tell me what does success look like in my role? And then you could always measure if you're succeeding or not. And that's going to change it from a miserable job to a non-miserable yeah. job. And when you have non-miserable people, which is really called passionate people, passion is going to blow go your business. So many, so much is spent on client retainment. This is client retainment. Who's people. talking to your clients? Yeah. Not you. Yeah. The people that's that are picking up the phone. If they're, they're, if they're passionate and their yeah. mood is good and their clients just enjoy this. Most CEOs don't talk to right. their clients. It's the frontline employees that are talking right. to the clients every single day. And if they're not passionate, There's if they're powerful. not motivated, your clients are not going to like you. Yeah. I really think that what you're doing is super, super, super powerful. You know, there's so Thank much you. ayahuasca happening to create well-being, And then the bridge between, you know, what someone sees in a one night um, psychedelic experience of what the world could be. And then going into work where there's so much misery and it's almost traumatizing for people. 
your your words and your vision and your belief and what's possible is really 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 um, hopeful and i'm uplifted by knowing that this you're holding this vision and you're really seeing this possible everywhere it's possible. And, and it's possible um, to make a lot of money with it with that yeah that's the, that's doesn't the, that's it's the, not the cost that's of the money. bridge yeah it's, that's the bridge that you have that it's not like oh as soon as you create a healthy worth environment you're like you know it becomes a non-profit that's no. how some people look at it Wrong. it's not that's if you do very, it smart you got to do it smart yeah don't start i don't know yeah spending yeah. you don't have to spend the penny on asking somebody how are you right, right. it doesn't cost yeah. takes a minute um on that note do you do coaching work i do i do consult people people call me we have conversations on the phone mm -hmm. and you do this yeah. for hire for you, you have a career in that too on the side cool so yeah. i'm going to share some info maybe sure. your email and you're gonna you're um, back on instagram or you're not insta you could um, reach me on linkedin i jump on, LinkedIn. on there here and there so you can message me on linkedin it's good to be in but uh i'm not posting regularly. what you did yeah taking a little break Cool. focusing on the business now there are some big awesome. changes happening so we need my intense focus thank you so much for this i knew yeah. i would love it